All right, welcome back to all of our friends. And um, we're happy that we have a new guest here with us today. His name is John, and we're going to have him introduce himself shortly here in a minute. So welcome, John. Thanks for joining us. And Thanks. just tell us tell us about who you are. Well, uh, I guess the most defining influence on my life is the military. And I served for 10 years in the Army. Uh, I feel like every veteran kind of has, you kind of have three lives. You have your pre-military life, your military life, and your post-military life. So it's kind of mm-hmm. how I like to think about my life. But the military kind of changes changes everyone in so many different ways. And that got me really interested in education and transition. So when I retired from the military, I uh, actually went to graduate school at Harvard and wrote a book to help student veterans because that's where so many student, so many veterans start their civilian journey in education. But, you know, the GI Bill provides the opportunity to go to college, but getting to the degree is kind of a different story. So I wanted to mm-hmm. really dive into helping student veterans where I felt like we're an underserved population. Yeah. Did you um, have any education? So how old were you when you entered into the military? Was there I, a I pre and post school? College actually uh, failed out. It's probably more accurate. I was mm-hmm. more interested in girls and alcohol when I was like 18, 19 years old than education, as I think a lot of young men are. So the military gave me something that I think is, you know, invaluable, which is discipline, because when you get down to it, education isn't really that hard. It's kind of like, do what the people say. If they say study, if they say Hmm. read, you know, do that. And I kind of realized that the military mindset could be used as an advantage in education. Whereas Mm -hmm. for veterans, it's really easy to look at um, our military experiences kind of as like a disadvantage. Like you might have PTSD, you might have, you know, like myself, I've been divorced and obviously you're probably not rich, those types of things. So we tend to view our experiences in the military as something to hold us back when I want to help encourage veterans to look at it kind of like a launch pad to go to go even higher in your life. Mm. Do you see a lot of vets going into school after they finish? Is that a common um, path after they leave? Let's say shorter amount of times, four to 10 years, maybe after 30 years, they might not have a, <laughs> have a heart for education at that point. They just want to rest. But people who are maybe 10 years and under in service, do most of them go back to school? So a lot of military people sometimes don't view college as being for them. When you graduate high school, you kind of have your three options. You have uh, the military, the workforce, or education. And veterans are like, well, I chose the military and you know, college might not be for me especially since, you know, the military learning is so experiential, whereas in college, you're kind of more sitting in a chair listening, um, where in the military always learn by doing. So a lot of veterans kind of struggle with that shift to learning. And, you know, the numbers aren't great as far as the accuracy of statistics, but about 50% of uh, veterans go to college and about 50% of them graduate with a bachelor's degree. But there's not really a great metric for tracking. Um, so one of the things I want to do with with this book and my work is to encourage more veterans that education is for them. And I, I don't have the idea like formal education in college is for everyone, but learning is. And there's so many different ways you can use your GI Bill now, uh, opposed to you know 50 years ago, that there's a there's a place in higher education I think for more veterans. Mm-hmm. I really like what you said too, even in a little while ago where you said that you wanted to use your skills and the things that you learned in the military for good, because you really don't hear that much. It's always the trauma that comes out of the military as opposed to, um, there are a lot of really good things in it and the discipline that you do learn, um, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the, 
just the loyalty and respect, so many things that can come out of it that can really change a person. But so often in our world and in our culture, we hear about the negatives because of a lot of the vets from World War One to there's you know not many of them, but them in in veter- uh, Vietnam, Korea, all these other ones that have come through that haven't had the treatment that's available today. And then they did they did have a lot of negatives mm-hmm. coming out of those mm-hmm. combat situations. Um, where now there is a lot available. There's still a, lot, a long ways to go for sure. But being able to use that for good, I think is just a really cool platform for you. Like it's just really respectful and commendable, I would say, to use that, um, especially for education. You know, I, I kind of what you're saying, there's not a whole lot of vets that come out and they're like, oh, well, I can go back to school. Some people do, but that's not their mind. They're usually closer to 30. And why would I go back to college? I'm going to hang out with a bunch of young 20-year-old kids, you know, that didn't experience life and I can't deal with them. They've never seen any kind of situation. And, you know, they're they're young and immature and that's not that's not really a place that many people want to go back to. I totally understand that. <laughs> so Yeah, whatever you whatever you focus on, you know, is gonna grow. And I think is you know, veterans are humans, obviously, too. And we have that characteristics where you focus on the negativity, you're going to find more negativity, whereas you seek more growth. And education for me was kind of a form of form of therapy to where I could really throw myself into that. And you're absolutely right that when I was my first college class, you know, I was 30, I felt like I was in Billy Madison, like Adam Sandler, where he's like surrounded by all the kids. <laughs> and so it is very hard for veterans to feel comfortable in college classrooms. Yeah, because absolutely. you're a non-traditional student, you're older, chances are you need to work. Over 50% of student veterans have some kind of service-connected disability, whether mm-hmm. it's everything from like anxiety or PTSD to hearing loss to having your legs blown off. A lot of veterans mm-hmm. do struggle with those issues and those can impact education. And you also take factors you know, like veterans are just more likely to to be older, to be to have real life problems, to have to deal with the VA as opposed to your classic traditional 18 year old, 19 year old who, right. you know, has less to worry about outside of the classroom. So that's one of the things that I, you know, really try to focus on. And mm-hmm. lately I've kind of um, changed my opinion on a few things. I, I used to kind of be more more obsessed with like grades. So I talked to veterans about achieving high grades, but now I'm kind of thinking that grades really aren't as important because nobody cares about them years later. So now I gave, you know, I gave a talk at a school in New York uh, a few weeks ago. I was like, Hey, just get the degree. No one's going to care unless you're going to like law school or a competitive graduate school or something like that. No one's going to care what GPA you got, but they are going to want to see the degree. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think, go ahead, Kristen, you were talking first. Our connection, I think, is a little bit slow. Um, no, that's really yeah. important, especially not even just for vets, for for kids in general to say, I, I did not perform well in high school whatsoever. I was a, an emotional mess. I just didn't do well until I got to college. And I got into college and then I thrived. And so mm-hmm. being able to say, you just need to get to this point. And then you need to get that milestone and then you need to get that milestone. And it doesn't necessarily, yes, sometimes it matters what the quality of that milestone is. So you can step on it and it doesn't crumble, but sometimes it's just get to the next lily pad, get to the next thing, and then you can be successful. Yeah. One of the chapters in my book is called, uh, this is your new contract because veterans are used to thinking about things in like contractual mm-hmm. terms. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, cause if you sign up for four years in the military, you know, chances are you're going to do every day of those four years. And it's kind of the same with college to where every time you sign up for a new semester, okay, I'm signing my new contract here. I'm committed mm-hmm. to go to these four or five classes on these dates. And, 
you know, kind of go, going back to the discipline thing Mandy talked about earlier, veterans are good at that when they have structure, but mm. college is so unstructured yeah. as opposed to the military, which is like the most controlling structural, you know, most dominating force that veterans kind of struggle when there's not that kind of mm-hmm. routine and structure because nobody cares if you go to class or you don't go to class right. where in the military, if you don't you know, show up, someone's going to be pounding on your door and calling you and all those things. So kind sure. of that kind of like structure switch is kind of mm-hmm. a huge adjustment for veterans as well. Mm-hmm. And I think just the experience too is really hard because they, when you're, you know, we've talked about like all the reasons why somebody would not want to go back to school, but I've heard so many things where they would never understand me because I've been through mm-hmm. a lifetime of things in, you know, four, six, 10 year contract, whatever it was. So going into a classroom like I and it, it's almost <clears throat> I think I've heard it almost where it's just like thinking less of a person like that professor doesn't get me. Mm-hmm. Those kids will never understand what I've been through. And that fear then stops them from from completing those courses and getting that degree, which could then lead them on a different path or whatever that may be. So, um, yeah, I've seen that, too. Yeah, I think you have now there's such a huge gap between the military and civilian populations. You know, last year in 2022 was the worst year in military recruiting since the uh, inception of the all all volunteer force since like Mm -hmm. 1973. You know, the military is that short on numbers. And one of those reasons is, like you said, Mandy, that there's such a gap between the two civilian military populations. You have. Uh, around 80% of active service members report having a close family member that served. So the military mm-hmm. is kind of like a family organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. come from military families. Mm-hmm. And then you we, we have obviously less and less people serving. Whereas like World War II, the phrase, thank you for your service didn't really exist because everyone, everyone served. Mm-hmm. And kind of one thing that I really try to talk to people about is how I want to say like how little impact day to day, like the war on terror had on most Americans. Mm -hmm. So like in more communal societies or like World War II, obviously the conflict is kind of felt by everyone. But Mm -hmm. when there's no draft, that means it's kind of the same people going back and forth. You know, a lot of times, like, you know, I did two tours. A lot of people do a lot more. Mm -hmm. So you don't have that. And you, the cost got put on a credit card. So people aren't seeing the taxes come out of, you know, if you, if you see it on your check every month, you know, you might, have a little bit more to say about it and it's Mm -hmm. happening in in countries that americans really don't have connections to like most Mm -hmm. americans have no real connection to iraq or afghanistan and then you know as it went on um you know the war is declared people kind of tuned out a little bit from most veteran perspectives to where and i don't blame them it's 20 years it's hard (laughs) americans have really short attention span it's hard to get people (laughs) interested in something or passionate about something for 20 years um, mm-hmm. You know, so I think as it went on and went on, and it became more kind of confusing as to why we're there, and there really wasn't mm-hmm. a clear goal and no real progress, it became confusing for people. So what I want mm-hmm. to do is to encourage more veterans to firstly tell their stories, and two, mm-hmm. tell civilians, you know, you should be comfortable talking about the military and even thinking about things like foreign policy as to how the military is utilized. Because mm-hmm. when people don't talk to their government, you know, you're Congress people about things like, hey, what what are we doing in Afghanistan? What's what, what's happening? It allows the kind of status quo to keep continuing on and on. So I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, the war in Afghanistan went on for 20 years, because mm-hmm. people were so kind of uninformed about it. And, you know, I think a lot of people 
have this view that like questioning the military or like what's going on can be seen as maybe unpatriotic or anti-veteran when, you know, as veterans, we, we really want people involved in what's going on in the military. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to feel connected. And I think in the world that we live in, it's, it's almost like becoming more and more divided in that way mm-hmm. because people aren't doing a whole lot of physical labor as much. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of behind the computers. And so a front lines service member next to a 22 year old texting college kid it's like you can't even compare the two and so to even have that conversation and to be open to having that conversation is something we can't even comprehend i mean even us at our age and where we are it's hard to comprehend what the middle east is like if you've never been there you know Mm -hmm. and so like just having this it's like trying to compare apples and oranges and that sounds so cliche but it really is what it is and there's only a certain point for me, like learning about the military with my ex-husband and everything. There's like a point where I'm like, I literally do not understand <laughs> anymore that you're saying like, I'll understand as much as I can. But there is a cap where it's like my brain just cannot process what you're going through, what you've experienced, what you have seen. And now in the civilian world, what you're facing, you know, mm. it's even as a as a I was a military spouse and living that life is very, very difficult but I still had like one foot in civilian world and one foot in military world. So I kind of knew the two versus people that are military and they're fully in. And then they have to step back out into this world of the civilian world and navigate through something that is so uncomparable to what they are used to and what they've had to go through. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that's more difficult than we can even imagine. Yeah. It's one of those things where, Every transition out of the military is so unique that it makes it complicated for the government to like prepare you for. Mm-hmm. So you might have a guy who's, you know, in Japan and he's transitioned out of the military and he's going to go to college in Texas. Or you mm-hmm. might have someone in Alaska who's getting out of the military and going, taking a corporate job in New York City. And all these right. people, not only do they serve in different branches or different ages, they have different backgrounds, different yeah. families, you know, they might be single, divorced, have kids. So that's what really makes the transition process complicated is because we're so used to kind of the communal living and, you know, teamwork mentality. And the civilian side is more individual. It's Mm -hmm. more individualized. It's even like, and even now with technology, it's even like a hyper individual world where nothing in the military is done alone, unless you're like Chuck Norris or something, you know, everything is kind of done (laughs) as, as a team. (laughs) <laughs> and then you get on the civilian side and it really feels like an individual mission. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I, you know, really encourage veterans to do mm-hmm. is to one, you, you have to build a community of support around yourself. So mm-hmm. when you're in college or if you're just transitioning back into, uh, you know, into normal civilian life, you have to build kind of a support system around yourself, like armor. And a lot of veterans, I think are more comfortable asking for support than help because they're kind of viewed at differently. Like when, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm in Afghanistan, I'd call for support on the radio. I wouldn't like call for help really if someone was shooting mm-hmm. at me. Right. But it's kind yeah. of the same thing. So veterans have to be more comfortable in viewing support more strategically like you would in the military. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for veterans in, in college, like, hey, what are all the resources I can gather for myself, you know, so I can be successful at this mission? Um, and that, that first year when you get out is so critically important, I think. I think it's it's easy to overlook how important that first year is because mm-hmm. momentum 
really matters in life. If you start doing well, things are going good, that they're going to continue to go good. But mm-hmm. everyone kind of has a bumpy transition at some points. It's, it's, there's no like smooth sailing from military land to the civilian side. There's no, you know, straight boat that takes you across with no issues. Everyone experiences storms and kind of mm-hmm. how you deal with those storms and setbacks is really going to be important for your future. So mm-hmm. what, but once you get on that downward spiral, it's also easy to go too. And that's why mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of work to get ahead of veteran issues. My first kind of foray into like veteran advocacy was with homeless veterans. So mm-hmm. I joined a VFW when I got out of the military and they were doing a lot with a local homeless uh, veteran organization in New York where I was living at the time. And I went there and it was, you know, we made a difference, but what I wanted to do is kind of get upstream of those issues. Like, okay, this veteran's homeless, but two years ago he wasn't. So let's go mm-hmm. back to then. Um, you know, the upstream thing is a popular terminology and teaching to where mm-hmm. if you picture like two people sitting on a riverside and a bunch of students or like, or a bunch of young people are drifting down the river, drowning, and you're jumping in and saving them, jumping in and saving them. Eventually you got to go upstream and see where the hell they're going in the water mm-hmm. at and start mm-hmm. fixing the problem there. So one of the homeless veterans that I was working with, um, you know, just kind of volunteering, talking to him, driving places, doing things like that. And he mentioned that he uh, was, he started going to school, but he felt so like, you know, he was dealing with issues from the military, obviously struggled just in the college. And then he dropped out of college. And then that led to like addiction to, you know, which eventually led to homelessness. So I thought mm-hmm. to myself, because I was going to school at that time, you know, how, how can I like look around myself and fix people before they get to that point where this veteran was at? And mm-hmm. the reality is people college degrees do better in life. I mean, you look at people college degrees kill themselves less. People college degrees get divorced less. People college degrees are homeless less. People college degrees make more money. And it's silly to think that your economic health isn't extremely important in regards to your mental health. So, mm-hmm. you know... I'm not saying money buys happiness, but it certainly helps out. And the absence of money is a big problem. So mm-hmm. I think for veterans, like, hey, college is a good point to do that first year transition because it provides a measure of structure and like a path. Mm-hmm. The worst mm-hmm. thing you can do is get out and do nothing because so many mm-hmm. veterans are used to like someone telling them what to do, which is easy. If someone tells you what to do, like you just do it. But when mm-hmm. nobody tells you what to do, it kind of becomes a problem if you're used to that structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking at some of your resources, like you have that planner, and it's even just the the table of contents. It's so interesting. Um, now, this is this is your book, like the mission brief, like the mm-hmm. first page mission brief. It's still <laughs> the terminology is very rooted in military, and uh, like for example, veteran grit, um, build your armor, things like that. They're very very specific, so it's familiar mm-hmm. to the people who are coming out. It's not okay. Here's academia, and here's all this academic talk. It's we're going to go back to your roots. We're going to go back to what you're comfortable with. Uh, my question with that is, do you think, I was trying to think about 18, 19 year old John in community college. Do you think if you had a resource like this pre-military, do you think it would be as effective with teenagers or do you really need that military experience to benefit from your specific resources? I've actually gotten you know, probably just as many emails and messages from kind of everyday people who find the book and use it as a college guide. So mm. I've had some like student athletes message me and say, Hey, mm. you know, Hey, we, they gave us this book or whatever, and they can kind of use it because 
kind of college tips are college tips and everyone mm-hmm. wants to do well in school. And it's not just about, you know, making it to the diploma, but also setting yourself up for success during college. Because a lot of veterans are kind of, or a lot of regular students are just thinking, hey, I'm thinking diploma. That's my goal. I'm thinking get good grades, get to diploma, and not mm-hmm. really thinking about how to set themselves up during that time period. So some mm-hmm. of the things I go over is like, hey, how do how to beef up your resume while you're in school. Like school's a good opportunity to, hey, join clubs. And what clubs do is they form communities. Hey, go, you know, do what you can to volunteer because you meet tremendous people when you're volunteering. You can network mm-hmm. with people and how mm-hmm. to build relationships with professors. And that's going to carry into your future because, we're, you know, relationships are so important and veterans can struggle to form, I would say, healthy and good relationships with civilians because you know like you said it's kind of like we're speaking a different language here mm-hmm. so get getting over that hurdle as far as like just hey this is how this is a guidebook to be successful at college and i tell people hey i went from like failing out of community college to have a master's degree from harvard not mm-hmm. because i'm that particular smart just because i realized that my military experience could be used as an advantage in the classroom as opposed to something that holds me back Mm-hmm. That's an important distinction. There are so many people, like in the music world, we see people who don't have natural talent but work their butts mm-hmm. off to get to where they are. And then we have people with natural talent who don't really have to do as much. They still work very hard, obviously. But it's interesting that you say someone who went to Harvard says, I'm not particularly smart, but <laughs> you have a degree from Harvard. So there has to either be that grit or there was that innate intelligence. And so I think that might be encouraging for people to hear that you can have no skill in a certain area and work your butt off to get to that point. Still not necessarily feel confident in your intelligence per se, but still reach that accomplishment that can then benefit you. Yeah, everyone kind of feels like an imposter at times. I mean, everyone Mm. has the imposter syndrome where you're sitting in the classroom and you're like, you know, I had that at Harvard where I was like, ah, everyone here is so smart and I'm just, you know, just trying to get by. And then I realized kind of everyone has those kind of insecurities. And if you realize that it does, it does help you out uh, mm-hmm. in life. But uh, yeah, I think that as far as you look at things like grit, that's going to get you further than mm-hmm. any talent or anything like that is. And one thing that veterans can do is we can work hard. We can roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty. And, you know, we're not going to shy away from the kind of challenges that education might present because we like challenges and challenges are what keeps life interesting and fresh and really important. Mm -hmm. I think it, and I want to go back to what you said a little while ago too, about, um, start kind of getting that one up, like before an event actually happens, going to the problem before that. So you said that first year for transition out of military to civilian life is so crucial to people instead of reaching people during that year, you know, you have to get to people before that. Like, Mm -hmm. this is how you have to prepare that year is going to be hard. You know, you're not going to go into battle with, with like, Oh, by the way, here's a weapon, you know, like you're going to know how to use it and do what you're doing Mm -hmm. beforehand. So doing that, um, what would you, if somebody was listening, they're military or they, they're going to go into the military knowing that they're going to come back out or use the military to, to springboard education for them or whatever the, that would be, what would you say would be a suggestion for them Um, how to get ahead of that year. Um, You know, for me, like my experience with my ex-husband was that year was the crucial year. Mm -hmm. And I can totally understand 
how that can just like mess things up and it can just be a downward spiral that you can't get out of. So how, what would your suggestion be to people? Like if they're in the military, they're on a base, um, let's say they're active duty, they want to get out, where do they start to go for this kind of help and start to build those resources and communities before they can actually move home to their community? Because you're also talking a move, which yeah. is also a big thing. You're not, not many people are born and raised in a military community and then at the same base and like live at home, mm. quote, in a way, you know, they're, they're somewhere far away. Like you said, another country it could be you know, Texas, it could be Alaska, it could be New York, and then they're moving to Nebraska or California or Florida, you know, like, <laughs> there's so many options there. Like, how would you suggest to somebody to prepare for that, to prevent that from being that downward spiral? When I talk to, I get to talk to active duty military people sometimes around education centers and military bases. And the first thing I always do is say, hey, who's getting out of the military? And usually, you know, maybe about 10 or 15% of the uh, service members will raise their hand. I said, everyone should raise their hand. Everyone's getting out of the military. It, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're getting out tomorrow or you're getting out in 10 years. You know, mm-hmm. unless, God forbid, you die in service, you're going to get out of the military. And right. the day you realize that is when you can start preparing for your transition. So mm-hmm. I was like, because now I get veterans to talk to me, like, hey, I get out, I'm getting out in five years and I'll do some coaching for them. Like, hey, how do you set yourself up? on like a five-year plan or like, God forbid, you're like, hey, I'm on the military and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, which happens a lot too, because, you know, the best plans can still fall apart. And That's there's going to be those issues, like you said, Mandy, that first year where you're going to hit, you're going to hit those relationship issues. You're going to hit those professional mm-hmm. issues. You're going to hit those personal issues because the military carves this identity into you. And the mm-hmm. first thing you have to do when you take off the uniform is kind of reform a civilian identity because you can't mm-hmm. be who you were before you joined the military because that person doesn't exist anymore. You can't and in a lot of cases, like you're saying, you've joined the military almost like it, you have to, like you have no other choice. Mm-hmm. It's like my life is falling apart. I'm going to grab the military and I'm going to hold on to it and I'm going to keep it and it's going to help me. But <laughs> like there's not planet. many there's not many people that are like, oh, I'm going to join the military and then after I'm done there, I'm going to go to four-year college. Like mm-hmm. they may have that. You know, but a lot of people that join it right out of high school, 18, 19, 20, it's like that's their only option of stability that they can hold on to at the time. So they're not thinking 10, 15 mm. years out. No. Yeah, definitely not. And it's it's definitely impossible to think like that. I usually tell veterans like you have a year, but when, you, when you're getting out and everyone knows they're getting out, everyone knows the exact date that they're getting out. It's mm-hmm. one of those yeah. things where the military is not like another job where you can be fired and all of a sudden, oh, I got to go find another job. You know, so people generally make the decision whether they're going to stay in or get out a year out from their contract date. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing, you know, you sign up for initial five, four or five year contract, you know, a year out what, what, what you're doing. But what you don't know is maybe where you're going or what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I grew up in Iowa and now I live in the Dominican Republic. There's not really like a uh, veterans. Sometimes progression doesn't really follow like a linear thing. And mm-hmm. today lives are kind of more complicated than ever. An American journey used to be a lot easier for veterans. Like, hey, I get out of the military. Like after World War II, I come back, I get a job as a factory. I marry my high school sweetheart. We have two kids, we take a vacation. And now the options kind of seem endless. And you kind of mm-hmm. have a choice paralysis for veterans to where it's like, hey, there's so many options out there. I, I'm not sure which one to do. And a lot of veterans then don't do anything. So the first thing I would tell someone in that situation, Mandy, is if, listen, first thing you have to do is you have to find purpose and community. Those are the most important things. And your purpose 
can, can be varied. I had to I had to find a lot of things to kind of fill the void the military left because the military was so such a dominating force that I kind of like mm-hmm. tried to stay as busy as I can and get involved with as many things as I could to fill that kind of gap in my life that the military left. Mm-hmm. And secondly is the community aspect. So you have you have to form a community around yourself just like you would in the military. And the cool thing about forming your civilian team is you get to choose who you're with. You get to choose mm-hmm. who, you, who you hang around. You get to choose where you work. You get to choose you know, your peers and colleagues to a greater extent than you do in the military where you're mm-hmm. just kind of stuck with who you're with. I mean, sometimes you know, I, I served with some people who would not have been probably my my top choice of friends, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's who you got. So I would, I would say, Hey, start thinking purpose and start thinking community. Um, and don't, don't overly focus just on, you know, Hey, job, start thinking about other aspects of your well being as well. We tend to forget about, um, we tend to, you know, think too much about, uh, money and not enough about like well being and mental mm-hmm. and emotional and spiritual health and start thinking about things like that. Mm-hmm. We have a um, an organization locally here that I'm thinking of right now. Um, it's called Battleborn. Shout out to Battleborn. Um, and it's vets helping other vets. Mm-hmm. And they they started out small. One guy really had a passion for um, mental health and supporting other veterans. And now they've grown so much. And what's interesting and amazing about it is that it's vets supporting other vets. Um, mm-hmm. They've gravitated together on the same mission because again, they're relatable. They understand at least even if it's different branches, they understand certain things that the other might've gone through, um, and the processes and transitions. Do you find, uh, you know, as a, as a helping personality, I like to think that I can empathize with different people's situations. And I like to think that I'm able to support any of my clients, but do you find that folks who have been in the military hold other vets to a higher, um, they believe there's a higher understanding or do they also, seek out non-veteran support what do you see in the trends there i think that's definitely something to think about and true to where veterans are more likely to view someone with more trusting eyes if they have worn the uniform before or Mm -hmm. more likely to be able to relate to some of your experiences but with less and less people serving in the military that becomes harder and harder like Mm -hmm. i think it's great you have a local organization there to help veterans when they come back and because the military they don't do a good job of transitioning soldiers out. And I think the the proof in that is kind of in the statistics that you see. So there's two classes of people in the military. You have officers and you have enlisted people. Officers transition better out of the military. They get, they kill themselves less. They get divorced less. They have less issues with like PTSD. And the big issues or the big difference between, uh, officers enlisted is officers come out of the military already having a college degree. And that's Mm -hmm. what really made me kind of fascinated with education Mm because I started thinking about when I started working and advocating on for veteran suicide or preventing veteran suicide, I started thinking about who's killing themselves and who kills themselves are veterans. They do one term. Usually if you do 20 years, you're less likely to kill yourself and they're enlisted veterans without a college degree. So it's not really as easy as just handing people college degrees, but a lot of people look at things like, oh, you know, 7,000 U.S. veterans kill themselves every year, which is a staggering statistic and crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but who, you know, how is that happening? And education was one thing that I looked for where I felt like I could make a difference. Right. Yeah. And I 
It's true. I think, you know, I think a lot of people go in sometimes I feel like a lot of people go in lost and a lot of people come out lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like in that actual time period that they're there, they're found. They've got yeah. their unity, they've got their platoons, they've got everything set for them. That's that it's that um discipline, that structure mm-hmm. that they need. But it's also from what I've seen too in my experience of like watching and, and living that lifestyle is it's there's nothing else. Like that's your life. You yeah. don't have hobbies. You don't have other options. You know, sometimes you'll soldiers will go to, to church or something, but there's really no time to like do a woodworking hobby or, yeah. you know, start a, another path or start a small business. You, it's just like not a thing. <laughs> you just aren't given that opportunity to have that freedom because when you're called, you're reporting and that's yeah. it. And there's no other questions about it. It doesn't matter. And um, you know, I, I know, like, I remember living there and it was always like military came first, then your family. It was just, that's the way it was. And when people then come out into the civilian world and there's there, like you're saying, there's endless opportunities where you can do any kind of job. You can go back to school. You can join a church. You can join a volunteer program. You can join this, you know, this, 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 whatever it is. There's so many things. It's just overwhelming. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's like, you know, the cliche of taking a kid to a candy store and being like, pick whatever you want. And then they have a stomach ache right. and they don't feel good. And they're like, Oh, I hate this. And then all of a sudden they're, they never want to be there again. And it, you know, but that's different when you're in that world and there's really no going back to a military life um, for some people, if they retire or, um, you know, just don't want to go back into it for whatever reason, you know? So that is, that is a very difficult transition. Yeah. There's no other, I mean, you're exactly right. There's no other profession that is so wrapped up into your identity as the military is. I mean, mm-hmm. they, tell you, they tell you what to wear. They tell you what to think. They tell you what to do. There's nothing else really like that. And in a way, that's kind of simple. It acts as somewhat of a security blanket. So there's mm-hmm. a, scene from, a scene from Forrest Gump where the drill sergeant comes up and he yells at him and he says, hey, what's your job? And Forrest Gump says, to do whatever you tell me to do. And the drill sergeant's mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, you're a genius. You're a genius. You're exactly right. You know, and it's, and that's the truth. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. do exactly what they tell you to do in the military and you can be successful. There's like a, there's a linear progression to follow to where I do this and I do this and I go mm-hmm. here and then I do this. And that your, your recipe for success is a little more clearly labeled as opposed mm-hmm. to civilian life where it's a little bit more complicated. And you're right that you can't really think of the military like an, an everyday job. If you think about it, like a job, it's kind of a shitty job because they don't pay you very well. The conditions are good. <laughs> they send you to places where people try to kill you and right, it's, yeah. it's not the best job. But you have to think of it kind of as a calling. So mm-hmm. when veterans get out of the military, it's like, hey, find a second calling. And I don't know right. what that is. It, you might find your element or where you thrive within your family. You might find it within a church because there's other statistics like veterans who identify as religious struggle less with PTSD and the classic. Mm-hmm you know, kind of things we see in the veteran community where it comes to suicide or homelessness or things like that, because they feel like their life has a higher purpose. And that's Mm -hmm. not to say you have to find a a higher purpose in God, but you can find a higher purpose there, or you can find it within your family, or you can Mm -hmm. find alternative forms of therapy. Now, more and more Mm -hmm. veterans are, are, are starting to kind of steer away from traditional therapy we think about and start Mm -hmm. moving into alternative forms of therapy. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of something I did for myself when I struggled is kind of kind of treat my therapy as my own military mission. And for me, when um, I found things like community and fitness and nature, especially as really healing more so than like 
the medication, the VA was mm-hmm. shoving down my throat all the time, which I think actually made me worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring that up too with um, alternative therapies and just like the military kind of just like dumps you out. Like, they're like, okay, good. See you. Bye. You know, yeah. if you have issues, call us and we'll give you 12 drugs to take that day. And mm-hmm. um, kind of the same thing. Like, how do you get on top of that knowing that you're going to get out and you're, you know, it's like, thanks for your service. Thanks for your time. Bye. You know, the government does not overly care. (laughs) Like they just don't. And it's, it's very, very sad. And that's why you see this rise in homelessness and the rise in suicide rates, because people think that the only therapy option out there is to go to a, a, a licensed therapist or go, um, you know, into the VA for therapy and you get that one-on-one counseling mixed with medications, which is not a bad thing. Like it's not mm-hmm. the worst thing. It works for some people and that's great. And it's there, but what are you, like you're saying, nature, community, some other ways that you found it that maybe don't involve the medication. Like you said for you, it made you feel worse. I totally have seen that before in other yeah. people. And how do you get on top of that again. Like, how do you know, like when I get out, I'm going to hike once a month or I'm going to like, how do you even structure that when you're not used to having that freedom? I think as society, we, we have, you know, veterans and, uh, civilians alike have kind of become kind of over-medicated and underhelped where we're so likely to kind of like turn towards traditional medication because that's kind of what we're told, told to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of veterans, I usually say to them, Hey, if, if the government broke you, then the fix might be elsewhere and it, it might mm-hmm. be within you. A lot of times the, the VA will talk to you, you know, forever about your problems, about your anxiety, about your, about your issues sleeping and things like that. They'll mm-hmm. talk to you forever about those things, but they won't address your lack of purpose. And that's kind of one and the same to where I feel like more veterans would be better suited for coaching, like life coaching type things mm. opposed to therapy. And there's a mm-hmm. difference between coaching and therapy that yeah. I think a lot of people might not understand. Sure. And most of the issues in the veteran community, I believe come more from transition stress than necessarily like PTSD because okay. there's non-combat yeah. veterans that actually kill themselves more. So you have that transition stress that's going to create most of the issues. And because things like PTSD has kind of broadened into this like category that means anything and everything. You know, the mm-hmm. same veteran who got his legs blown off now shares a PTSD diagnosis with like a college student who got her Starbucks order on or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's easy to look at the military as like a scapegoat for your problems or the VA, mm-hmm. like point at it, be like, that's why I messed up. But the reality mm-hmm. is personal responsibility is where veterans need to turn to. And mm-hmm. in the military, personal responsibility is important but responsibility shared within the team. The military right. actually takes care of most of your day-to-day things so mm-hmm. you can focus on your job. So they take care of here, here's a place to live. Here's what to wear. Here's, you know, uh, money for food. Here's, they, mm-hmm. they kind of break everything down and it, there's all these support systems available to you. You can go, you know, hey, here's your military hospital. Here's your military schools. If you want to mm-hmm. see a movie, here's a, a movie theater on base. We have shopping on base, all those things. So you can just focus on your job. But then mm-hmm. that kind of disappears when veterans get out and you have to kind of navigate those things before that were taken care of your taken care of for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think the personal responsibility is something that veterans need to embrace a little bit more. And not only personal responsibility with your life, but also your health, because you're mm-hmm. the only one that's going to be in your shoes and you're going to be the one that's going to be best suited to deal with your problems. I realize that mm-hmm. kind of like in the because I, I did the traditional therapy medications for a million things for uh, for quite a while, actually, until I kind of woke up. 
and um getting out of that was was difficult kind of breaking that cycle of medication and things like that because i was taking pills to sleep pills to wake up and it 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 negatively affected me i think and only when i was able to kind of fight my way off the medication and Mm -hmm. start exploring my own therapy was when i found growth Mm -hmm. it also makes sense that the alternative forms is the term you're using um they are more dynamic Mm -hmm. than just talk therapy and i think if you come from a mindset where you are doing things, you are not, your thoughts and feelings don't matter. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you try to flip into these are my thoughts and feelings and sharing yeah. them will help instead of they don't matter, keep them in the back because what you present and what you're doing is more important than the person that's inside. And so it mm-hmm. makes sense to me that the the fitness, the community, the going outside, the hiking, the things that involve your whole body, they're very holistic and they're more dynamic than sitting on a couch and, or a very comfy chair and, um, and talking that through. So I don't, uh, is, are those therapies usually covered and supported through VA or does VA really like the traditional talk therapy? That's why there's all these kind of like veteran organizations, like the one you mentioned, uh, the Battleborn popping up in the veteran community, because mm-hmm. the VA kind of only, it, that's kind of what it does, is, is it kind of helps veterans through like more traditional medication. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, and, you know, traditional therapy services, and the reality is a lot of therapy isn't really as helpful as we want it to be. There's no mm-hmm. like person that's going to like click the light bulb for you or hand you the pill that's going to be great. A lot of it's mm-hmm. kind of overly, um, overly affirming and kind of going back mm-hmm. to what you said about excuses. I think excuses get not enough leeway in the military and sometimes too much in the civilian side so my mm-hmm. therapist when i was like hey i'm really struggling i'm going through these issues i'm not sleeping i'm you know i have this anxiety and they were kind of like well you should be depressed and anxious you went through a lot with your combat experiences mm-hmm. and i said okay but like i, I i'm not okay being who i am mm-hmm. you know so a lot of it was kind of too overly affirming and leans on medication because mm-hmm. one thing that i try and stress with with veterans in my coaching is ptsd does not have to be a forever problem. It's it's not a forever diagnosis. It's not like something that gets in your blood and it's there forever. It's something that you can work on. And when you face those kind of trauma situations, you can work your way to a point of post-traumatic growth if you're if you get into it and work through it, but you're the only one that can take those steps. Mm. And I think it yeah, what you're saying um the the difference between talk therapy and life coaching. And I love that you brought that up because Therapy talks a lot about your past and where you've Mm -hmm. been and your childhood and how did you get to where you are, where life coaching is really that mentorship and support of moving forward. It gives you that catapult to finding that community, but also gives you that accountability too with meeting with a life coach every week. And I think we're seeing this uprise in life coaches and it's also, you know, there's a lot of opinions on life coaches in general, but when you find a really good, well-qualified life coach and they're trying to get you on the right track to move forward, um, not to say that counseling isn't good because that's equally as important to learn from your past and what you've been through. Um, but that life coach forward motion track of like, let's get you going and let's get you supported here is just something that's not talked about. And I don't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think it's even mentioned when you're out processing and coming out of the military. It's, it's really just talk therapy and medications, mm-hmm. help yourself, you know, numb the pain, numb yourself. And then you become non-existent to, you know, because the, the military did the thinking for you and mm-hmm. they were your brain. They were your words. They were your, they were everything. They, they did what they needed to do. They got what they needed out of you. And 
that, you know, that's why we say thank you for your service, because that's not something that everybody can, can go through and can understand. Um, so yeah, that is a really unique path for sure to just like throw people in with medications and then probably like medications they never even took, you know? right. <laughs> they've never and even heard of. And then they're just like, Oh, I believe you. I believe you. Cause you know, I'm going to do what I was told because I've, I've done what I was told for the last 10 years. And it's like, I'm just going to keep doing that. And there are other options out there. Yeah. And I found myself kind of in the, in the student veteran coaching kind of, so I was lucky enough that I landed into a VA work study job. And during my undergrad, during college, where my role was to support and assist the other student veterans at the school. So when student veterans would come to school, I'd give them a tour, like, hey, this is kind of this is the college, this is your resources, this is your support system. And I ended up making a 10 point list and I give it to in- incoming student veterans called John's College Tips. And those college tips actually morphed into the chapters of my book because I was just kind of trying to give people like straightforward college advice that came there. And a lot of the veterans that I was working with were like, oh, you should write a book about, you know, about coaching student veterans. So I developed a coaching program to get student veterans uh, through a semester. So the coaching program is on my website. And what we do is we set four goals for each semester. You set an academic goal, a social goal, emotional goal, and a physical mm-hmm. goal. And the academic goal can be something like, hey, just just pass your classes, you know, which is, right. a, which is a fine one. But it's something mm-hmm. to aim at because you sure. need something to aim at. Or for like physical goal, hey, I want to run a 5K at the end of the semester or some type of goal that um, right. that's going to keep them kind of on track and focused. And then you also have things like social because, you know, as veterans, isolation can be a very dangerous thing. And being isolated is an easy thing to kind of slip into when you get out of the military. Yeah, for And sure. isolation mm-hmm. is way more dangerous for veterans than combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that again, it's that well-rounded wheel mm-hmm. that you're creating. Let's figure out who you are as a person, recreate that identity as a civilian, as opposed to the the identity that was created for you in mm-hmm. the military, which is for a reason. Like it's not saying that it's wrong. It it's a time and it's a purpose, and there's there's a reason for that. Yeah. But to then have to figure out who you are outside of there when a lot of these people went in at 18 and 19 and 20, and they had absolutely no idea who they were. So they're really just discovering who they are in general. Like who is John? Who is, you know, this person here and who is this person? And, and that, I think that's a great thing that you're giving people that tool to, to say, look at these different parts of your life. Um, let's figure that out. You yeah. Know, that's why the, the therapy has to be personalized too, because everybody mm-hmm. has, everybody's so, you know, their own individual and the mm-hmm. VA is kind of one size fits all for therapy just doesn't work for everybody. And that's why mm-hmm. you're seeing people finding tremendous growth with things like horse therapy, with music therapy, with all these different interesting things. Now there's people that are doing like the, like the ayahuasca, they're like, and you know, those things are starting to take off. So there's all these different forms of therapy that are really, really kicking off. I was in a veteran fitness team. And mm-hmm. what we would do is encourage veterans to do triathlons. So we do them as a team together. And that kind of team working out aspect really, uh, really made sense to me. And we do like weekly mm-hmm. workouts and check-ins and things like that. So finding your own form of therapy is something that I think veterans should do more of like you have to find mm-hmm. your own therapy. You have to fight your own battles. You can't just go there 
once a week and sit down on a couch and expect mm, right. for your life to change. Right. Mm. <clears throat> so you just said this a little bit ago too. Um, what is something that, what was your path, your, your specific path that you took to get through this process and to, did you have this bumpy road to figure it out and now you figured it out or did you find yourself catching that before it actually happened, making that change? For me, the first few months when I got in the military were very complicated because I had a few months off before I was starting college, just because the college semesters, you know, I got off, mm, got out of the sure. military, then I was starting school. And when nobody kind of appeared to tell me what to do, when there was no reason to set an alarm or anything like that, I found myself kind of engaging in more dangerous behaviors, especially because I was struggling with the medication that I was on through the VA and kind of like my transition stress in combination with like my PTSD from my combat experiences mm-hmm. kind of led me down a dark path. I usually you know, the military sent me to, to, you know, some dark places in Afghanistan and troubling times and things like that. But I set I sent myself to a lot of dark places as well by trying mm-hmm. to like, when the medication didn't work, I took more. When that didn't mm-hmm. work, I, I mm-hmm. drank, you know, and kind of doing those things really kind of spiraled me out. And I kind of feel blessed because I ended up getting that, getting that job kind of just, you know, because I needed money while I was going to school, like a lot of veterans do. And helping other veterans really provided me purpose that I had never felt before, even in the military. Like, I think I've done more for, you know, done more for the country and done more for veterans outside the military than Mm -hmm. I ever did, you know, during my 10 years of service. So kind of helping them kind Mm -hmm. of put me on a good path because it's easy to see other people's problems and be like, hey, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't do this, but harder to see in yourself. And when I started coaching, coaching the student veterans, it was easy for me to see like some of the fixes that they could do to, uh, you know, to find a little, a little bit more success. And then I started applying a lot of that to my own life because I wanted to be someone that people could come to as like, you know, cause you're not going to go to someone who doesn't have it together for advice. So I wanted mm-hmm. to really like set the standard for the other student veterans in the school, like I did in the military and helping them really kind of open up doors for me that, uh, that I don't think would have opened up uh, if I hadn't started doing that. So if, if veterans, if you don't have a mission, you know, a veteran admission, a veteran without a mission is a veteran at risk. So I found mm. purpose helping other student veterans at the time. And I kind of now, now I'm kind of transitioning that into uh, all veterans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we've talked about this before in other episodes of our podcast where serving others really helps to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when you, are giving to others and you're hearing their experiences and you are seeing that you're, you are serving a mission and giving that service to somebody else to help them in their journey, navigating through it. Um, it can be very healing for yourself too. Yeah. Progress is such a good, a good motivator. And when I, when I started seeing like actually making a difference, having people talk to me and now getting like, you know, random emails about my book, about some student veteran organization handed it out, and it's helping, mm-hmm. you know, helping veterans graduate and find more success in school. Because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's not really just about graduating, it's about making the most of that time, because you don't right. want to get to diploma and then be like, oh, what am I doing now? So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's kind of steps for success to set yourself up in life, as well as do well in your education. Right. If you do the college and then you're, you graduate, you're back at the same square, yeah, square one. one. Who am I? What am I doing <laughs> without any other tools in your toolbox? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's another cool measure of success too that you were talking about where it's your book is shared at a VA meeting with college athletes are using it. So when you're having people who you didn't seek out and you didn't expect to benefit from your work, that's another huge measure of success because it is being circulated without your support. You push it and now it's being, you know, perpetuated because it's working for people. Yeah, and it was so cool because I actually got to write the book twice because the first time I wrote it, I did it entirely by myself. I um, really didn't know what I was doing because I never really set out to be an author. Enough people were like, hey, write write a book about these college stuff. And I just kind of did it. And then the first edition, I think, had the F word in it like 40 times. And then (laughs) I got contacted by the Association of the United States Army and said, hey, we want to publish your book with a real publisher. And then so I got to do that and work with, you know, a real publisher and a real team and all those types of things and kind of getting that professional aspect of it, the research, Mm -hmm. the data kind of more as opposed to just Mm -hmm. my thoughts was really a cool thing to be able to um, explore the material a lot more deeply and get to do like Mm -hmm. interviews and research and things like that as to Mm -hmm. as to how to you know, really make a, a good book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I think what you're doing is really great. And I think you're helping a lot of people. And honestly, even if it's not even, you know, you're not helping millions of people, but it's like every little bit helps like that one person mm-hmm. you might save their life. And you may never know that just because yes. you provided that discipline for them and that, that track to run on, you know, it's like, the, the lanes of a bowling alley, like the bumpers, you know, it's like, this is, I'm going to keep you on this path here and we're going to keep going and you'll get to the end and it's going to be okay, you know, without going all over the place and making things more difficult for that person. So, yeah, I find college to be like this excellent bridge kind of same with bowling between the military and civilian worlds, but it's really easy to fall off that bridge if you don't have mm-hmm. kind of the right tools and guidance and things like that. So that's mm-hmm. why I wanted through my book to provide those kind of tools and tricks to for student veterans to do as well as they could and I want it to be like informative but also like useful and entertaining like so Mm -hmm. there's stories in the book about some of the funny experiences that veterans face in the classroom how to deal with professors you know and a lot of my own experiences as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's amazing Um, so we keep talking about your book. I don't know that we've actually t- said the title for our listeners. We're going <laughs> to attach everything, all all of these resources to the show notes. But um, the book that John wrote is called Combat to College. Um, and Scott, is that you on the cover too? Yep. yep. Yeah. I it, wanted to be on the cover. I wanted to be the star. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's <laughs> Yeah. And if you're watching on YouTube, it's the the book that's over his shoulder there. There's a couple of copies there on the, uh, <laughs> on the shelf. Um, so... Yeah, I really appreciate your your willingness to serve, continue serving and help mm-hmm. other people. It's really wonderful work that you're doing. And like Mandy said, you might never know the person that you saved their life. Uh, and they might never tell you. They might, t- but there there is people, there are people out there who you've changed. Obvi- yeah. It's obvious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we kind of close up a little bit, we have our playlist, um, our Rocky Road playlist, that we ask our guests to share a song that maybe it's a song that helps our guests to get to know you better, or maybe it's a song that got you through a difficult point in your life, Some a song that defines a certain point in your life that we can add to the playlist. And then as people listen to your episode, they can also listen to your song and really feel a little bit more connected to you. So do you have a song that you have in mind that you'd like to add? I'd like to add uh, Man in the Mirror. Ah, wow. 
I was not expecting that we're one. We're talking about nope. the personal responsibility thing. Talking about uh, the man in the mirror sounds like a good a good song to pass on the veterans. And I appreciate you guys, you know, talking to student veteran or talking to veterans as well because I think that's one way that we do close the gap mm-hmm. in the population is to kind of get to know each other. And for veterans, mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy that you know 20 years of war somehow we drifted away from the civilian population but but it happened mm-hmm. so i think that mm-hmm. after the war on terror after afghanistan ended it's time for us to kind of come home and you know mm-hmm. uh integrate yeah. back into the country and in the peacetime mm-hmm. and i think people are afraid to have the conversation sometimes and you can't be afraid to have those hard conversations some people are afraid to say what was your experience what happened yeah. what did you see what how you know how did you train what whatever the question Mm -hmm. is people are afraid to go into that and it's not a fear it should be something that's embraced like you know for you specifically and for so many people you've served our country like you protected us from things that we didn't even know we needed protected from you Mm -hmm. know that's the war and and doing what had to happen throughout the 20 years was for a reason questionable or not you know like all the things surrounding it you know, we had 9-11, like, and who's to know that we didn't have something else like that happen 10 years later, had we not done the work that needed to be done. And for us mm-hmm. to just be afraid to have these conversations and talk about things that are affecting people right next door to us in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to make sure that it's a, a space where people feel safe and comfortable and supported. And and we're here to, to give those resources to anybody. So if someone's considering going into the military, um, we would love to just like connect the two of you, plug you mm-hmm. in. If it's somebody that's currently in or that's out and maybe struggling a little bit, look for these resources. Look for this as hard as that may be and as uh, it may never seem like it's going to end for you, but um, it is. And there are people that have success stories and have taken the good that they've learned and turned it into something great. You know, and you're, you're an example of that. So we thank you for sharing and we thank you for um, just bringing your book to, to the Rocky road and um, just who you are and what you have to say. And not a lot of people go into that, that year transition. There's a lot of people that are there to support you during, and there's a lot of people that'll start to help you when you're struggling, but mm-hmm. that time right there in the gap is where it's crucial to have somebody and to have that system, you know, everything we've talked about. So thank you for doing that and for, for stepping in and helping those around us. So we're really grateful. Thanks. I appreciate your words a lot. Sure.